2: All right, welcome to the Super J-Cast. You know that music. You know what that means. It's Damon, and unfortunately, Joel's still away on holiday. He's he's living his best life, as we all know. Maybe, maybe one day I'll get a nice month off, not have to talk about pro wrestling, <laughs> make carve-out time. He's with his family, enjoying life, and I'm holding down the fort for a month. I don't know. Something doesn't seem fair. Anywho, you know what that means. We uh, once again had to put out the uh, Super JCast bat signal, and uh, we needed a little help because you know I'm not going to do a show solo. <laughs> That's just not going to happen. So once again, I'm I'm kind of blown away uh, by this month because we've had some really awesome guests, and it 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 includes people that I did not expect to hear from. Uh, and it also includes well, being that we're in G one season, we might as well talk to someone who's in the middle of it, who's knee deep in it, who's 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 swimming uh as, you know against the current in uh the summer months. He's a busy guy, and we appreciate him carving out time for us. Ladies and gentlemen, how about this one? The great based. Aaron Hanare. How are you, buddy? Good evening, man. Good to finally get on the podcast. It's been a while. Uh- <laughs> it has been. It's been something that we've been talking about and kind of going back and forth on and, and getting times and schedules and all that stuff. But yeah, I mean, finally, you got uh, a little bit of a, a little bit of a rest during G1. Uh, and I appreciate you taking some time to, to speak with us and uh, have our fans uh, enjoy some uh,
3: Hanari talk. No, no, no problem at all. It's uh, wrestling's only half the battle for me, man. There's still a bunch of other stuff outside of wrestling that I'm pretty busy in as well. But uh, now, I've finally finished off all a bunch of the other projects and got some time to actually uh, talk to more of the international fans because I've been in Japan most of the time. So this year has really been the first year that I've been able to get out there and travel to uh, America and uh, other parts of Europe and. Uh, back
2: to the UK again. Yeah. And that had to be pretty exciting for you. You know, I, I was at Washington for that show. I was in Philly for that show. (laughs) I was like, and I was like, ah, I should hit him up. I should just send a hit him up, see how he's doing see if he wants to catch a beer or whatever. Uh, the Washington show was a little bit of a mess afterward because my favorite hockey team lost again in the playoffs. I was miserable. (laughs) So (laughs) it was good that we didn't hang out. Um, but then Philly, I felt bad. I was like, ah, I'm right here. I mean, show them the town or something. <laughs> well, it was cool, uh, man. I heard a lot. Did you like of, both of them? Uh, yeah.
3: I mean, I'm from New Zealand, bro, so I don't know much about America. But we hear all the bad stories from the hood in you know, mm-hmm. Philadelphia. So, um, but it was good. It was, it was fun. It was, like, it was not as scary as the movies say they
2: are. <laughs> it's not that bad. I mean, come on. It's not that Nobody. bad. Uh, Maybe maybe we have a little gun problem, but oh man!
3: So you noticed that first night in Washington, I was what I was wearing a uh, bulletproof vest. I
2: I did. Is that why? I
3: honestly had no idea what to expect because I I went to uh, LA at first. Yeah, and anybody outside of America that doesn't know anything about it thinks LA is like a hellhole where everyone's shooting each other up, and I thought I was going to get either arrested or shot for being brown. Oh, this this is me just believing all the news media and stuff. Then I got oh, there, I was like, ah, oh, this place is fine.
2: Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's not. It's still, you know, you you go to certain pockets, and uh, I'm, I'm sure everywhere there's uh, good neighborhoods and bad neighborhoods, and yeah. you know, as long as you, as long as you you, you do, you're doing the right thing, you know. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm kind of like watching a parade. Um, no, but yeah. was
3: good, man. It was good. Uh, Washington was real nice. Seeing all the. Um, the, uh, the the monuments and stuff was real cool. Uh, the people yeah, the were the first
2: time as well. Was that your first time in Washington and, and Philly?
3: Yeah, it was uh, my first time actually, like traveling r- around the states. I'm, I've been been to Florida before, but nothing really. Uh, didn't get really enough time to do anything fun, so it was just training all the time.
2: Was it how great had it been for you guys? I mean, just everybody in that locker room that hadn't wrestled in front of fans. I mean, that yes, had to be um,
3: so. It wasn't so much not wrestling in front of fans, but the uh, the excitement of the fans like yelling and yeah. uh, wanting wanting uh, Taylor Russ to rip my knees off. Um, that the screams were pretty cool because in Japan, it's just been a everything you do is just a three clap chorus. One, two, three. They're not allowed to yell still, even to this day, which is over two and a half years gone in the pandemic and they're still not allowed a
2: cheer in Japan. Yeah. Is it, I mean, how difficult is that for you as a, as a pro wrestler? To I mean,
3: that's that's like,
2: it's the crux.
3: It's like the spine of what pro wrestling is, is that interaction with the fans. So being quite difficult, but I mean, strong all right right? You just
2: got to take it on the chin and just keep going. Yeah. How has G one been? Well, first, let's get back to finally getting that tap on the shoulder to to be in G one. I mean, you did you? I mean, you f- had to feel like you knew they couldn't pass you up this year, right? I mean, they couldn't do it.
3: Yeah, it's been a while. I mean, I, I thought I would have been in it a few years ago and thought the same thing. But, I mean, for reasons outside of both my control and the company's control, such as injuries or a pandemic or um, scheduling or whatever. But, I honestly, um, I didn't find out until the night they announced it when we were in Osaka. Really? So, I had no idea. I knew I was on the tour, but I didn't know I was a part of it. And I was underneath the scaffolding. They keep a little um, TV in there for people to watch, but I was the only one there. I was just watching it. I wasn't expecting anything big, and then my name popped up, and I was like, "Oh, oh shit!" Oh. <laughs> and like uh, halfway, I was like, "Ah, oh, they might not choose me again this year because borders are finally opened and everybody could get in." But and I know just comes back to that whole: uh, the more you work, the more your work will be appreciated and understood. And they put me in, so I was like, "Oh, yeah." It wasn't that had like, to be It wasn't like a surprise because I had been waiting for it for a while. But it was just like a yeah, yeah. This is right. This is
2: right. Right. I mean, it's, that's a sense of accomplishment for you. It's got to be a, a check box that that's finally checked because everybody's been. I mean it's yeah. it's, it's it's been a long time coming. I mean, it, yeah, it, definitely. It, it, um, even that
3: first New Japan Cup match uh, at the start of twenty twenty, I was supposed to go against Ishii in the main event. So that 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 same uh, that same feeling back then is the same feeling I had now. Like. It's just meant to be. I'm meant to be in that spot, and it's not the company's fault. It's not my fault that uh, last year I got my neck injured, and the year before that, pandemic hit the whole world. It's just it is what it is.
2: The magical, the magical line that I love. Yeah. Do you, when when you saw that graphic come up, which I mean, what 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 were you feeling like? Were, <laughs> Like, were you nervous? Were you excited? Were you, was there some vindication? Like, what, what was going I'm, through your mind?
3: In a way, it was like, do you, I don't know if we're, are we allowed to swear on this? Yes, LFB. absolutely.
2: Please. <laughs> yes.
3: <laughs> it was just like, a, let's go. Let's fucking go. This is what we say back in New Zealand when you know, like, yeah, this is it. Let's go. Let's bang. That was my sort of thing. And I thought, yeah, well, finally, like, I could. Show the fans what I can actually do, you know? I've, I've been getting tweets this whole tour. Wow, I didn't know Henadier was this good. I mean, like, I've always been good. I just haven't had that opportunity to showcase how good I am. And I, I could feel like the fans this tour are kind of understanding that now. I hope yeah. you can too. <laughs>
2: yeah. No yeah. doubt. I mean, so let's go back to 2000, was it 17? 17. 17. When- yeah, yeah. The uh, leg injury. Was it the, the Achilles?
3: Yeah, man. Complete tear, complete rupture of the Achilles. Uh, I had to get it fished out from my calf muscle, which had rolled up and uh, stretched back down and sewed back together with the uh, surters, middle surters.
2: So, yeah, uh, it, was, it was pretty rough. <laughs> yeah. no, I mean, no doubt. Did, uh, I mean, at that point in your career, are you thinking, I got to quickly get myself – rehabilitate it i mean i mean that i mean and that's just time i mean you can't rush that yeah like so i mean and then add the pandemic on top of that was there any point where you're just thinking oh i I can't catch a break
3: Uh, i mean a usual person would think that but uh, i i come from a place where you know a lot of people don't really get any breaks at all (laughs) Mm. so uh I've, I've sort of been fighting an uphill battle my whole life, so I'm, I'm used to having adversity placed before me. So it wasn't really a big deal in terms of oh no, can I make it or not? It was more, god damn it, another one of these hurdles. God damn it, and it's just I don't know if it's me trying to project that onto my life, but I feel that's just a normal part of not only my life but this job as a profession. You're always going to get injured. There's always going to be something. A flight's always going to be canceled. There's always going to be a hurdle in front of you, no matter what you do. Um, It just happened to be the more painful hurdle that I had Mm -hmm. to jump over that time.
2: Yeah. I mean, the the surgery and the rehab, that could not have been fun.
3: Yeah. I mean, it was pretty quick. It's usually 12 months. I did it in nine months. Luckily, I was still quite young. I'm still, I'm only 29 now. Um, Still young, so it recovered quite easily. But uh, the funny backstory for the Achilles injury—both my parents have torn their Achilles, so genetically predisposed to that happening.
2: Wow, that's that is kind of wild. Okay, um, so now you know we fast forward. We have a pandemic. We, you know, it's been it's been a struggle for I think for everybody. What what's going through your mind there? So travel restrictions and oh. Oh. and and crowds you know being minimal and then you know clap crowds and so like what's going through your mind now when when you know you hear shows are being canceled and there's a worldwide pandemic man
3: uh so that, that was supposed to be my first main event singles match the week after the pandemic was announced in japan um so one the big break didn't come when I needed it to come or when I wanted it to come. And two, I'm pretty sure you and all of the listeners for Super J cast have heard about how New Zealand handled the pandemic. They didn't mess sure? around. They didn't fuck nope. around at all. Uh, Jacinda <laughs> put her put her hand down and nope. She stopped people coming in and out of New Zealand. Full lockdown, uh, military personnel uh, traveling the streets. They didn't put that in the media so big, but there were police and there were army patrolling the streets to make sure nobody was outside of their house um so it's pretty rough and add on top of that every time that i came back from japan or came back from new zealand i had to quarantine two weeks on either side right so i think i've got the professional wrestling most quarantines championship around my waist
2: (laughs) what's what's all right so uh, i mean let's fingers crossed and all that let's not go through this again but what what did you learn about yourself during that time frame? Oh
3: man, I'm pretty. Uh, what's the word? Mentally durable. I don't know if that's the word is. Um, I know I did more than anybody else in that time in terms of the quarantines, but I, I could take. I could take a lot of things. I'm very. Uh, I don't know what the word is. Resilient, like a, like, a, like a tardigrade. You know what a tardigrade is? No, no. Uh, it's like a little. Bacteria that you throw in any environment and it just won't die. It could survive at the bottom of the ocean or in extreme heat. I don't know what Americans call it. Uh, water bear? Is it
2: a water bear? It could be. I, my <laughs> science is my science is pretty poor. I got to be honest with it.
3: Oh man, that's all I do. All I listen to. All I study is like scientific podcasts and stuff. Really? Yeah, man. I'm an absolute nerd. Uh, academic nerd. I was in academia before, but yeah, I learned. That one, I'm good at learning, uh, and two, I'm v- resilient. Resilience is the word I'm looking for.
2: There you go. The <laughs> where do you where do you think that comes from? Is that something that you th- you think your parents yeah. forced into
3: you, or um, yeah. I've really talked about it in a public setting. Uh, Kevin Kelly's mentioned it a few times, but uh, I'm from kind of a rough place back in New Zealand. Um, would be in the lowest tier of socioeconomic social class in New Zealand. Um, So that's what I credit for, the the amount of adversity that I could take and still keep going. So things like travel, things like quarantine, uh, things like wrestling in front of a crowd that doesn't cheer. It's all like small fries compared to other stuff I've been through. So um, And yeah, like you said, my parents as well went through a lot. So definitely taught me that. And I think I project that in the matches that I have. Um, whether I'm losing all the time, or whether I'm getting a smashing, uh, I think that resiliency comes through there.
2: Yeah. No doubt. That's. I mean, we, we don't have to get into specifics, but do you think that that upgrade – I guess the question is, did you use education and reading and and diving headfirst into science books and stuff like that as an escape?
3: Um, not so much an escape. Uh, I think it was more – Understanding, getting a more objective view of why those situations happened, instead of what what other kids from my uh, sort of demographic would do is they'll start internalizing it and blaming themselves, and not realizing that you know our people got our land stolen and we got gentrified and etc cetera, etc. Cetera. I don't want to turn this into a sociology lecture. But
2: <laughs> no no no, it's very <laughs> interesting. I think I think our listeners are are fascinated by stuff like this. Yeah <laughs>
3: yeah, um, but. To put it it into perspective, you're a big wrestling fan, and I know you know most wrestlers around the world. Can you name me one other Māori
2: wrestler? Yeah. No. I mean, can we? No. Probably Mm. not. (laughs) So I'm the
3: only uh, Māori that is uh, contracted to a full-time company. Um, There are a few in New Zealand, but uh, I think that's just a uh, reflection of... Of our lives as a whole, it's hard to break out of anything and break into any industry, let alone just wrestling. I think the biggest industry so far is rugby. And you know rugby and New Zealand go hand in hand. Sure. Yeah. So that's usually where our people find their escape. But I found mine in wrestling. And yes, books helped me to understand that objectively, but wrestling was
2: always the big goal. How did that come about? Like what what was the thing where you – do you – I mean, you you were more of a you know MMA background um, <laughs> yeah. as as opposed to maybe the the pro wrestling background. What 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 brought you to, to pro wrestling? Like, what as a child were you a fan?
3: Yeah, man, I was a huge wrestling fan. So, like, uh, we got late reruns of uh, Nitro and Raw in New Zealand. I think we'd we'd view it like a few months after whatever had happened in the U.S. So I grew up with like a Sting and a Goldberg and then Triple H and The Rock on the other channel. Mm. Um, and then obviously it's it's, it's a huge esca- That was the escape. Wrestling was the escape. Books weren't the escape. Um, but just that, wow, there are these guys on the other side of the world that make a living out of slamming each other and beating each other up. This is amazing. And that, that was, I mean, that's what captivates anybody in wrestling, right? Yeah. Is those, uh, those stories there. So I've always wanted to be a wrestler. In high school, I did uh, freestyle amateur wrestling. Okay. Um, and I made uh, – I was the undefeated for my three years that I did it in high school. Um, and from there, I went to MMA and jiu-jitsu. Um, and, and I was also doing independent wrestling too. So as uh, IPW New Zealand was the company I was wrestling with um, quite early actually. And I faked my age. I did a post about it a few weeks ago. Told them I was eighteen when I was fifteen.
2: Um, wow! <laughs> yeah, so
3: I did a bit of both as well.
2: So um, how did you how did you find them? Like, so you you have an interest. You you're like, okay, this this sounds like what I'm made to do. Like, <laughs> how did you wind up walking into a pro wrestling ring?
3: Um, So I'd I'd come straight from uh, rugby. So we do rugby in the winter and then usually cricket or something in the summer. Um, And I chose to do wrestling. So I put in my application with all the fake age details and everything. And they sent me the invite. And obviously every pro wrestling tryout starts with a physical. They're trying to weed out everybody. But I, I, I just ran through everybody because I was 15 years old, fresh off of rugby season. And uh, it was just real easy for me, so I got in there. They thought I was eighteen. Uh, it wasn't until three years later that they realised I've, I've been eighteen for three years now. <laughs> so, Yeah, that's pretty funny. But um, they got it. They ended up getting a TV deal. So in um, 2010, 11, and 12, I was on TV, and I had just come out of high school, and I was getting money for that as well. So that was pretty cool. Um, and they sometimes the the series only ran in New Zealand and Australia, so. And then it got cancelled because of some legal issues. Um, so yeah. Then after that, I met uh, a hmm. Then
2: yeah. and then and then things took off. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
3: So that's when I really realised the actual capacity to make wrestling a full time job. Because here here's this another, this other Polynesian wrestler that I know of that I'm a fan of, and he's from the same city that I'm from. He's from a pretty rough area as well. And He's there doing everything that I wanted to do when I was a kid, so I was like, Whoa, let's train with this guy! So I got training with him and um, Mark Hunt. He was in New Zealand training uh, his camp for the Bigfoot Silver fights, and he trained with Fale. And then we ended up training all together, and then that led to the New Japan
2: tryout. How stressful was that? No, it wasn't stressful at all, man. That
3: was, I was, it was buzzy, it was yeah. Like some street kid. Coming and training with these absolute superstars—it was—it was amazing, man.
2: Nice. No, no nerves, no nothing. Well, you love the physical sports, though. I mean, yeah. what do you think it is about you and your personality that just like you just gravitate toward knocking somebody down? <laughs> Let's put it that way.
3: I think it's it's Kiwi culture, bro. We love rugby, we love boxing. Um, if you're in a bar fight, anyone's got weapons. Everyone will mutually put the weapons down and just. Elect to fight with their hands. I think it's very, very Kiwi culture. Is um, we just prefer a straight up fight. Two guys bumping each other until someone's standing and someone's not.
2: <laughs> Do you have any uh any stories from the past? You don't have the name names, but uh, were you were you a person that wasn't afraid to uh, square up? Uh, in terms of like a fighting or yeah yeah oh I
3: mean I, I don't usually. Show it on the camera. I'm, I'm, I'm putting my knuckles up to the camera even though there's no camera. But uh, <laughs> right, right. I've got a lot of scars. <laughs> a lot of scars yeah. on my knuckles. Uh, at one point, I actually, um, uh, when I was a student at university, I didn't have much money. Um, so one of my jobs was street fighting on a Friday night, like wagered street fighting.
2: <laughs> oh, my.
3: Yeah. Uh, and that would pay for my food throughout the week.
2: Wow. So, yeah. Okay. So now we, now we got to get into that. <laughs> so 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 how th- there's a big difference between okay I'm at the bar I'm at the pub and I get into a little scrap as opposed to finding people that organize this dude <laughs> you know how how did you find it and how did you get into it Oh
3: man this uh there's a street uh, there's two streets in Auckland the main main Auckland city right in the heart of the Central Business District, uh, Queen Street and Fort Lane. Anyone from Auckland knows about Queen Street and Fort Lane. That's where everything, that's all the big big clubs are and everything. You could find somebody. I don't know if it's probably different now, but back then, I mean, it wasn't just, it was some like uh, MMA fighters would do it as well. It wasn't like a big underground mafia type setting. It was more just like a,
2: yeah, wager, wager, wager. And it would happen that night or it would be like maybe sh- shooting emails. You're in a gr- – I I mean, I, I, how does that work? No, no. You just you just go there. Like
3: it, It's like the specific – like if you could think about Fight Club when all the cars are parked up uh-huh. and just people standing
2: around, something like that. Oh. And do you pick the person? <laughs> like do you scope out a person and be like, I, I'm fighting that dude? No,
3: no. You just, uh, you just turn up. I mean uh-huh. obviously there will be people who know other people and some people who know – people that have trained before or some people from specific gyms. Um, and then there was, the, there's a, I wouldn't, I won't name the the name, but there's a gang that went around and um, organized legitimate fights, legitimate sanctioned fights under a sanctioned body. I mm. won't say what it is, uh, the name of the place, but um, one of them would hold actual legal fights. So okay. it wasn't all just like underground stuff, but
2: You were actually in Fight Club. (laughs) You know, so, you know, to pull back the curtain a little bit, like we, we, uh, the last time I was in Japan, we all went and had a great dinner. Um, you were with the post people, me, my wife, Frazier. Um, great time. Yeah. But, but it is, it was one of the most memorable occurrences in Japan that I've had. And for two reasons. One, was you said something that stuck in my mind to this to this day uh, where we were talking about guys who hit hard and you made a comment of, well, I like to get punched in the face. And I looked at you and I said, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> He's like, yeah, you, were, you said I like to get punched in the face. It wakes me up. It gets me into the match and it gets me going. <laughs> Do you still subscribe to that uh, theory? Yes, and
3: I have been feeling better about it because studies have come up saying that hyperbaric therapy is good for CTE or any brain, uh, brain damage from um, punches and stuff. So I feel better about it because now I know there's a fix-all at the end of the tunnel.
1: <laughs> Probably right. not a
3: good thing to say, but uh, <laughs> it's like um, uh, you, uh, I mentioned Mark Hunt earlier. Have you ever, ever watched any of his fights?
2: I I have yes
3: the one versus uh, Ray Siffle when they both just drop their hands hit each other in the head and they're both smiling and they both look more awake. Okay, yeah, that's sort of. I don't know if it's a genetic thing, but uh, that's that's how it feels. It's like it's like dopamine you get hit in the face and like your or your your nerves go into fight or flight mode. That's sort of like a buzz, like a trip for me.
2: I'm not getting punched in the face.
3: I'll stick matches, with I don't know.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think you said uh, there was a match with uh Nagata or it might have been some but yeah, you were you actually were telling him punch me. <laughs> He'll get me get me in. Um Yeah. I mean that but the, you know, that's once again, that's, that's something that, that you're, you're cut from that cloth and I, and, I, and I'm fascinated by that part. Um, so now G one is here. Yeah. Did you do, you got the announcement You're you know not, not that much time, but did you think, okay, I have to train differently. I have to do more. Like what's your workout routine now? Because the second thing that, that, uh, from, from that dinner was that you were v- so disciplined with your diet. You had a scale, you had, uh, you know, you were, you were trying to, to get a certain amount of protein and yeah, like, so is there one, wh- where do you find a discipline for that? And two, did you do, or are you doing, or did you do anything different leading into this G one? Um, for that, sorry, well, the first one, I forgot what you said for the first one. Oh, no. Uh, so where did you find the discipline to, to be able to do that? Um, I think
3: that one came from amateur wrestling, just hmm. the, 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 dieting in order to make a specific weight. Um, for me personally, it's not really a challenge to do it. Um, when I, when I first did my first, uh, meal plan with my coach, Marjon Abelardo, he um, he trains professional bodybuilders. Um, so I did my first meal plan with him, and then I realized, wow, shit, I feel great. Like, it wasn't just an aesthetic thing; like I actually felt really great. That was, I think we had dinner. What was that? Twenty nineteen?
2: Yeah. I know. Uh, might have been twenty. Yeah, it had to be twenty twenty. Yeah.
3: So that was when I was in my peak condition. So I had abs, and I was shredded and lean, but big as well. So that's when i just felt the best i've ever felt in my life and that was no drugs there was no crazy supplements that people talk about that was all just weighing my food every meal and i felt great so that the discipline wasn't really a factor because i felt good to do it i know most people don't like doing it um and for the specific g1 in march is when i started bulking not knowing that i was going to be in the g1 i just my trainer just said hey man i want you to put on some weight and I just, it's been pretty tough though, eating 500 grams of steak, 400 grams of chicken and 400 grams of potatoes every day. Um, mm. But it's, it's worked out and the fans are loving it. Um, and the slams aren't as, as painful anymore. The bigger you are, you'd think this, the sore, more sore, more painful the slams would be. I've actually been feeling quite good because of the amount of weight that I've put on.
2: Mm. Yeah, it it's- great. I mean, I know a guy who can get you some protein if you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> man. Apparently,
3: protein's really expensive in um, Japan.
2: Yeah, I mean, from what I hear, <laughs> inflation
3: in this market is crazy, man. It's pushing people to do crazy things.
2: <laughs> it sounds like it. It does sound like it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, first G one. You know, there has to be a little bit of excitement, a little bit of, and first matches. Hiroshi Tanahashi. Yeah. You tagged with him in, in Tag League you, in, and and multiple multi-man tags with him. Yeah. Was there any nervousness or was it just excitement and let's let's show the world what we can do?
3: Uh, definitely, definitely nervous. Definitely. Um, more so because I don't want my first G1 match to be remembered for being shit, you know? Um, I really wanted to just unleash and... Show the world what I could do. Show the fans that what I could do, especially the fans that have been supporting me even before I got any big matches at all. So, um, but I've always known, I've always known that I could bang at the G1 level, but just being able to actually do it is a whole nother. It's like the real tangible results of your hard work. So that's why I was nervous at that point. Um, is it? Also-
2: every- I'm sorry. Got-
3: sorry, you go. No, you could. Uh, Tanahashi is just like the biggest star in Japan, you know. So it's like going up against Goku in the Tenkaichi tournament. That's the equivalent.
2: Hmm. The, I mean, nerves and excitement and all of that, and and you you had a banger of a match. Fantastic yeah. match was is is G one especially this year, is it everything that you thought it would be? <laughs> and I mean that in the sense of the physical demands, the, the, the mental demands, the, the the nervousness, the spotlight. Like, Is it is it what you thought it would be? Um, I think a big
3: part of coming up the young lion way, so like doing the, the young boy and the seconding and uh, looking after the senpais. My first tour was actually G1 2016 when I was seconding and I was watching guys like Tanahashi and Naito and Okada every single day, every every day of the tour. So those types of um, rituals, if you will, sort of condition you to already understanding the, the toll that it takes. I'd say the Young Lion uh, part, doing the squats every day and then training and then the matches and then all the breakdown is a bit harder than being in the G1. But hey, I'm only three matches in. Um, usual G1 tours, you have 12 or 15 matches, right? Yeah. So I, I think I got in lucky by only having uh, six men in the block. I think six, yeah? Six yep. One? Yeah. Uh, I, it's quite lucky. So this is quite a entry-level G1, if you will. When they go oh. back to the big blocks, I think it'll be even harder. So I don't want to count the chickens just yet.
2: All right. all right. The, the, do you like it though? Do you like the the, the sense of wrestling? And then there's, there's a, a, quite a gap between your singles matches and everyone's singles matches the way the schedule is laid out. Yeah. I mean, does that give you a little bit of time to recoup rest, do dumb podcasts like us? <laughs> I mean, is that, you know, I mean, do you enjoy that or would you rather have a little bit more condensed schedule where it's ev- almost every other night?
3: Um, it depends. It, it's it's slowed down a bit since um, what do you call it? Since the pandemic. Uh, before the pandemic, so like twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen, I was wrestling every other day anyway. Not singles matches, but just in general every day. I th- that was quite hard doing that. Not only that, but all the traveling and stuff. Uh, but having. Being in a uh, being in a group with United Empire, so you got guys like uh, Jeff, Will, and Ocker on this tour, so we could sort of like uh, spread the load between us, so we're not not smashing ourselves too much. Um, but yeah, I love those. I love the six man tags. They're, they're great. You keep they are they are
2: fun. They look fun.
3: Key, you could keep your blood flowing. So like, if you have a niggle, if you, for instance, if my uh, my calf was quite uh, tender as you could probably tell after that Zach match. Um, but the, the, the multi-man tags after that, they helped the blood flow, and I re- recovered quite quite quickly from that niggle.
2: But that's, mm. that's
3: just part and parcel of the job and of what we do.
2: So those... Tag matches serve even a, a, a greater purpose. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> yeah, yeah. not only to get over the matches later on, but you know you can stretch out some injuries and get yeah. get loose. And okay, I mean I it's, like
3: it. it's all about blood flow and controlling inflammation. I think most most full timers understand that if you could control your blood flow and your inflammation, you could do this for years and years. Just look at guys like uh, Nagata and Suzuki. Been doing this since they were teenagers.
2: So what? What I mean, I, I have to ask because I am the most out of shape human being on earth. What? 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 How do you do that? How do you control the blood flow? How do you like? What? What? What are they doing that other people aren't?
3: Oh, they do that. Oh, they're, they're still doing the same shadow boxing, squats, cardio, and skipping before every match, mm-hmm. and that, 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 that they've been doing for the last forty or so years. So that's uh, if I can do the same style that they do, man. We could we could we could keep in this game for a long time, man.
2: Those talk about that that time in the dojo. You you mentioned it before, where that was the hard work. It felt like, yeah, um, you know the 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 working out, the setting up the ring, the tearing down the ring, the yeah. you know all the things, the duties that that are involved in being a young lion. Yeah. Look, talk about those days, and and uh, I don't necessarily want to say the struggles because it's a learning experience, but. Boy, when you're in it, you gotta be thinking, whoo this is rough.
3: Yeah, in a way. Um, it was the first time in my life that I didn't have to worry about food. So if you if you come through the dojo, you get an unlimited amount of food, as much food as you want. Which is a poor kid from Auckland, New Zealand, coming to that is like, wow, I just hit the jackpot boys. Sign me up. Yeah, yeah. So that was sort of like uh, I paid for my rent and I paid for my food and my water and my gym with squats. Hey, I could do plenty of squats, you know. Um, <laughs> so sort of like a you, you get all of this stuff, but you just have to do some squats before that. And I actually like doing squats, so it was good. Um, but, yeah, it, it's uh, the, the, the toughest thing is the sleep schedule. So you're awake. You're the first guys awake and you're the last ones to go to sleep. If it's a tour day, um, you wake up. You do your training, uh, you clean everybody's stuff up, you get all the bags and everybody's suitcases on the bus, you travel to whatever town, uh, you do the show on whatever town you go to. Before the show, you're doing training and squats. (laughs) Then -hmm. you do your match, and then you do all the second thing and all the uh, uh, corner stuff, looking after the senpais. And then you go back to the hotel, you unload everybody's bags, you do the laundry, and then you could sleep and then you wake wow. up first the next day. So it's quite tough, and there's a reason why not many foreigners do come through the dojo, and it is because of that. It's because that's what weeds people out. That's what asks people, and what it's what makes people ask themselves, do I really want to do this job? Am I willing to do whatever it takes to get here? And that's the reality of what uh, the young boys, myself, and everyone that came through the dojo have to go through. So that's it's tough. It's tough.
2: When when you finally, we'll call it graduate, is there aside from the, what we see as fans, is there something behind the curtain where you're you graduate, you you're no longer you know lifting bags and 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 setting up rings? Like, do they come to tell you that? Do they say, okay, officially, you, you no more, <laughs> you don't have to do worry about? It. Is there a ceremony? Like, how does that work? So mine was
3: quite different, as you know, I, I came back from the uh, Achilles injury um, and then they, they said we, you, you, so I didn't really understand what it meant. Am I a young lion or not? And I sort of got stuck there for quite a few years because I didn't know um, other people would get sent on excursion as soon as they finished their young lion, like the Japanese guys. Usually get sent off on excursion. But because I got injured, I didn't really have that excursion to be sent off because I had already had so much time off. And I couldn't let them risk uh, letting me go because of that. So I I, I got stuck in that role for a bit. Um, And it took me a while to get out of that. I'm sure you're aware of it. And I'm sure all the fans are aware of it. But it is what it is, my magic line, you know?
2: Yeah. Well, so now, they come to you with the idea of joining um, United Empire, or oh, that, um, was, that was Will.
3: He's a yeah. he's a smart guy when it comes to putting a team together. Um, so that was uh, that was New Japan Cup last year, and he took me out to dinner. Um, I was like, "Oh, this is weird." And he never asked me to come out to dinner, and then he, he pitched it to me then. And then uh, I think that was in March, March New Japan Cup, and then. I joined in April, so it happened quite quickly. I wasn't really uh, uh, fully prepared for what it would entail, but I'm I'm so glad. Honestly, it's the best career move I've ever made in any career.
2: I mean, and, and then <laughs> it was just over a, a single dinner, yeah, and, and, and the ball starts moving. What now? Why do you? I'm sure he's communicated that to you, but or maybe he has it. But why do you think he went out of his way to get you involved? I think he
3: he definitely saw me struggling. Um, I think similar to Jeff. Like Jeff was coming over from ROH and he was a, you know, crowd favorite, but he wasn't really getting anywhere. It was the same as me since that uh, Young Lion, finishing Young Lion, I didn't really get anywhere. I didn't really know what I needed to do. I was, I was I was there hustling. I was there grinding. I was working every show, wrestling every match. Um, But I just wasn't pushing through that glass ceiling, you know. But he, Will was sort of, I don't know if people talk about him but that whatever people say whether they hate him or not he's a fucking genius when it comes to professional wrestling. Whatever yeah. you want to say about Will he's he understands this game more than anybody around. And if it wasn't for him I'd probably still be stuck in that same spot that I was in before.
2: What do you like you talk about in-ring stuff and and but it, and 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 the mind that he has for pro wrestling. Like is that just him just spitballing stuff and 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 throwing <laughs> yeah. stuff out, or or like with with ideas. Is he? I guess my question is: Is he more of an idea guy than than most other guys?
3: These are ideas mixed with pragmatism, and like he can spitball and he could pick the spitballs which would work. You know, uh, mm. which the crowd gets fired up. Anything he does, just it's amazing to watch. You know, tagging with him, just watching him go, it's just like wow, wow, what the hell. It's just like he he's a, a Mozart, looks at a piano. a Will Ospreay looks at a pro wrestling ring.
0: Hmm.
3: And he just he just gets it, you know, um, from it. That'd be like spinning a hook kick at some guy's chin or power bombing ELP vertically, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Everything he does is amazing. Um, and just, just being around that and all these guys, like, Ork is a weird dude, man.
2: Like, let's talk about him. Yeah. So so he guy. seems like a, a fun guy. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. But weird. Let's get, let's go, let's get into the weird.
3: He's weird. He's like, uh, he's one of those comic book geeks that just watches the, uh, watches cartoons all the time. And um, I don't want to say geek. Otaku is like a specific term in Japan. I um, he's always trying to hang out with like porn stars and like gravier idols and stuff like that. And he loves Las Vegas. Uh, but yeah, but he understands what riles people up. He understands what makes people go crazy. And he understands himself. You know, he's real smart. He was always good at like grappling and technical things. And he's an amazing cook as well. He's the most underrated cook
2: ever. What, what's his dish? What's, what What does he make that's off the charts? Um, he used
3: to make a thing in uh, the dojo called Yudofu. Um, I don't know how to explain it, but it's a, a Japanese traditional gift, but... <laughs> and he told me American burgers all all sa- taste the same. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they kind of do. I mean, to be truthful, they kind of do. Now let's go full circle. So 2017. Yeah. Is it odd that you have this this spark, this rocket that's now strapped to you, and you're in the the same faction as the guy that you were in the ring with when you had your injury?
3: <laughs> yeah. I think that's uh, coincidental as well, but then at the same time, we both came in together and we're both in the same class, so it's not too out of the ordinary. Um, if anyone, I probably see him more than anybody else. Uh, we live quite close to each other, so I see him quite often, um, on top of all the bus rides that we have together and everything. Um, but he's just... I can't get, I can't keep up with him, man. He's always, he's going out with all the sponsors and stuff. I, I prefer to either just go to a jujitsu class or Muay Thai class or something at night. <laughs>
2: um, but I'm sure there's been one or two nights that yeah, uh,
3: some because kind of <laughs>
2: it seems like every time I hang out with you, there's always beer involved. I remember <laughs> the first time I met you was at uh, one of the the Fale sponsored <laughs> events. Ooh, yeah, uh, yeah, and then. Uh, then, there is always there is always a little alcohol around, oh, right? And I am not saying no. that you partake, but it's around.
3: No, no, it's definitely around. I, uh, I actually stopped uh, drinking as much as I did.
2: Good. <laughs> I wish I could say the same.
3: I actually did a uh, doctor's um, examination on my liver, and he told me he advised me I should stop drinking. So uh, I drink on Christmas and I drink on my birthday, and that's about it.
2: I, I would, I am going to be very truthful. If I I don't think I I will go get one soon, just because I know the damage that has been done. To the, to this or, like I just don't want to hear the bad news. I know it's bad. I you know it's like one of those things. It's like all right, I know it's bad. I gotta stop. Uh, what? So what are we looking for forward to G one? We have uh, Naito on the schedule, right? And yeah. we have Evil on the schedule. Oh, Kento um, Kento will be a good one. Ken, yeah. Is that the one you're looking forward to the most?
3: Um. I was looking forward to the Goto one and the Zack one quite well, but I mean, like, these are all... I've wrestled Goto in the singles before, but just singles match with anyone because uh, it's usually a long time between singles matches for me, so this is like Christmas. Go, oh, man, wow, I get to fight all of these guys one-on-one? That's great. It's just more so, one, I enjoy it. Two, they were all tough guys. And uh, three, this the fans love seeing me
2: get slapped in the face and keep pushing forward. You know. Yeah. <laughs> what? What? Do you think you've grown as a pro wrestler just from the, this tournament so far?
3: Yeah, definitely. Just like I said, just having the freedom to have singles matches more often. I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot more fun in a sense that if I stop him, I could stop and think about what I'm gonna do. You know, uh, which has helped me a lot. Thinking on the fly, you know, kick, kick here, punch here. It's uh treating it more like, hmm, I, I don't know. It's just more fun because I don't get to have that time, you know.
2: Um, are you the type of guy that sits around? I not sits around. I say that like a, like, it's like you're <laughs> sitting like me on the couch. Um, but are you a person that that you you see the schedule ahead of time and you think, okay, this this. This would be, be good to do this, or this would be good to do that. Like, are, are, do you plan that stuff out in your head a lot? Nah, man. get in the ring you a and you'll call it in and go. Yeah? I'm, okay. I'm,
3: not, I'm notoriously known for not even knowing what match I'm on. So, really? The last Goto match, I didn't even know that I was on pre main event semifinal. I was like, oh, shit. Oh, okay. My music's playing? I didn't know until I got to the arena. I thought I'd be like, opening G1 match or something. But no, I'm very notorious for not checking the schedule. Or else, because I'm the type of guy that if I know what I'm doing beforehand, I'd stress out the whole day mm. about it, you know? So I'd rather just leave it to fight the battle, cross the bridge
2: when it comes, you know? I won't tell you which one you have in order. How about that? Yeah, <laughs> so good. So literally, you could go to the arena and really not know who – you're fighting that night and yet that kind of eases your mind a little bit.
3: Yeah. I mean, more so if we, if we're thinking about it from a hormonal standpoint, my cortisol starts rising the moment I know what the job is. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, I didn't even know what the G1 was until they announced it in Osaka. I didn't know it was four blocks. I didn't know I was in one of them Um, because if I worry about it before, there's that, it's not anxiety. It's more just like, I'm an INTJ, which means I'm the guy that prepares every single plan of action. Um, mm-hmm. But if I don't know, I can't plan. I can't waste that energy. I could spend that in the gym or going for a run instead or
2: writing another book. <laughs> writing it. Now, are you reading books or are you writing books? Uh, both, both. I just finished. So did you mention that? Yeah, you mentioned that when we were lining this up that you bring your laptop with you. Yeah. Uh, do, do, would you mind sharing what what you're writing? Uh, um, so I finished my
3: uh, first, it's just an e-book at the moment um, before I moved to Kindle Direct Publishing. But uh, I studied politics and sociology and I used to teach sociology at university. Um, so the book is about masculinity and how we redefine it. Oh. And it's my belief that most bad things that have happened and are happening in the world today uh, because of men losing their way as men, um, like that toxic to- toxic masculinity is now a thing that's taking over the world, you know? Right. Um, and we've just all, re- uh, all uh, misplaced what it means to be a man. And that's why things like uh, abuse come from, the rape, um, stealing protein, um, <laughs> things like that, you know, all come from. So I'm just trying to. I've been doing free programs for men over the last 10 years, ten months um, and I just thought I'd put that all in a book so I just finished that last week
2: wow yeah. when, when can we expect that
3: um, it's online at the moment um, I'm gonna wait till the tour is finished before I uh, focus on trying to get the uh, paper back out to uh, Amazon
2: so is I mean that's yours you what you do in your spare time to wind down you work on on that of, you know, like it's it's almost as if and pardon the dumb, no, no. But, but it's like you work in the gym and you work you know you are in your brain too. Like how how important to you is that synergy?
3: Like <laughs> this is it's funny. Like I didn't even mention the content of the book, but this is exactly the content of the book. Is um, that right? There's the physical, mental um, mastery. And uh, the lover ex- aspect, which is like taking care of, nurturing and protecting family and friends, stuff like that. But yeah, it's all dimensional. So everybody thinks of masculinity as just you have to be a big, tough, strong guy and not show any emotion. When in actual fact, there's many different dimensions of what it means to be a man. And men are falling down because they've misplaced that. You know. So it's, it's, it's wow. real funny that you mentioned that before, actually talk about the
2: content but yeah that's essentially what it is that's pretty amazing that's that i mean that's really great stuff um when you the the stress is like I, i i guess the if i were to take and everything changes everything evolves but if i were to take wrestlers from the 70s and wrestlers from the 80s and wrestlers from the 90s and wrestlers from the 2000s and wrestlers today I feel like wrestlers today have a unique challenge, and that challenge is social media. Yeah, yeah. Do you – I mean, I'm a huge fan of no social media. I'm I'm not <laughs> at all. Um, but other wrestlers find themselves in trouble and find themselves trying to navigate those waters. One, do, do you know of any specific training – that they would give guys like you to kind of navigate those waters? And two, do you think social media is necessary for your career?
3: Um, I'm not sure. They definitely don't give any social media training in uh, New Japan. Mm -hmm. But I think it's more uh, common sense, you know? You don't don't treat people like shit. Don't be an asshole to fans. Um, Just, you know... I think the big problem with um, Twitter and especially American Twitter, I'm sorry, but it's there's just people forget that there's a human being on the other side of that. Right. If you want to bring out the uh, sociology, it's called simulacra and simulacrum. People are living in a simulated version of what they think reality is, and they forget there's an actual person with actual feelings on the other side of that. Um, yeah, man. I just think that the easiest way to not get in trouble not offend anyone is just to remember we're all just humans on a computer screen, I guess. (laughs) I haven't really, if I, if I, I got an easy rule of thumb. If I see anyone write anything negative about anybody, I just block them. I've got about a 500 long block list at the moment.
2: A well curated block list. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a fan of it. Absolutely. No doubt. All right. I got to ask because I'm an old guy. What does "based" mean? <laughs> based, man, it's
3: like just living your life, not really bothering about what other people care about or what other people think of you. It's like you're okay. a, you're a human. You're born with a set of inherent qualities, inherent weaknesses. You are what you are. Like there's no changing who you are. There's no changing the kind of people you're attracted to. There's no changing what you do with your life. Sure, you could change your body. You could diet. You could go for a run. But the inherent essence of who you are doesn't change. So why would you lose sleep over what people would think about you? You know? Right.
2: Right. That you, like, you. Yeah. I don't people care what you think them. about me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna right. to do this. I'm gonna do this. I, I love it. I understand <laughs> now. I feel good. I feel like uh, – I, <laughs> I, feel, I feel younger. It
3: started as – I think it was a Reddit or some – some internet craze, but I don't know. A bunch of the bros in the manosphere start throwing it around. So
2: <laughs> take it nice on, nice, base, bro. I love it. I love it. Listen, I appreciate you carving out time for us today. No um, it's I when I go into these, I am a. I, I, I can't say I'm nervous, <laughs> but I just don't know where it's going to go. Right, I, I feel like I have – in the past month, I've talked to a lot of different people. We had Robbie Eagles on last week, which which was, oh, was cool. great. Um, and I, I just don't know where it's going to go. And I like that looseness of it, of just going – I had no idea we were going to the places we were going today. You know? <laughs> so, like to me, that's exciting. Like like you talk about getting punched in the face. I love it when someone takes like a question and takes it in a direction and then I got to follow. That's that's the path we go. <laughs> That's great, so and I think, and I think a lot of people learned a ton about Aaron and Hanare that they didn't know before this show. It's. Uh, I
3: hope it's a good thing. You know,
2: that's a great thing. I think it's a fantastic thing. I think it's uh, anything you know that that can help see a side of you that no one really. I mean, I didn't know. Not, not many people know. So I, I truly appreciate that. I appreciate that uh, that candor. No problem. I think, uh, I think one of the problems of
3: me uh, staying where I was for all those years is that I wasn't letting people know who I actually am. Um, they, they All they got was the, the young boy they saw in the ring every day. But I think it, taking the step, the next step in the career, I've actually grown as a person, not just a professional wrestler, you know, being more based, you know, it's helped me be more based.
2: I love it. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna change the name to the based Super J What do you think of that? Yeah, man. It's good. <laughs> based much. That's, that's we're all doing it. We're, our, our, <laughs> I love it. This is this is a this is a change for the better for everyone. Listen, yeah. I really appreciate you taking the time. I know our listeners are gonna freak out over this. They're gonna love this. Um, anything that you want to plug, anything that you want to let our listeners know that's coming up, uh g one uh, t-shirts what you got going on i just love uh the,
3: the new base t-shirts come out if you guys get or we'll grab one of those from the new japan talk on shop uh other than that all the uh, socials at henare nz and if you guys want to read about the uh that masculinity book we talked about it's uh
2: the primal bro on uh instagram excellent Fantastic. I think everyone will hop on to that. Listen, again, I know I said it a thousand times, but I really appreciate you carving out some time for us here today. You're in the middle of G1 and you're taking the time for us. So uh, yes, I tip dude. my cap to you, sir.
3: No, this too is for the fans, man. It's it's fine.
2: Excellent. All right. Listen, we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, Redcircle.com slash SuperJCast. If you want to throw us a couple bucks buy, for great content like this, I mean, where are you getting this anywhere else? Nowhere. So uh, you can do that, make our lives a little bit easier. Speaking of T-shirts, we got one as well. How much would it cost uh, for uh, you to wear one of our T-shirts to the ring? Oh, man, <laughs> How much we gotta pay? If we can Venmo place, it right over. nice
3: man most of my shirts are free gifts. So
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, Venmo it right over. Uh, Super J Cast uh, or what? But dot com slash Super J Cast. You can find that there. You can be very fashionable I'm wearing one of those i'm sure um follow our editor dan he's at lousy year two one nine escape the box is the band you can listen to them on spotify apple music and all that fun stuff uh joel will be back i don't know aaron you want to do you want to be my co-host from now on would you would you mind would you want to uh, <laughs> find some time? <laughs> I mean, I don't think he's coming back. I think this is a very subtle way of Joel saying, "I'm not. I'm not doing this anymore." He's just staying. <laughs> he's been in the UK for a month. I mean, that's where he's originally for from, but uh, it's the first time he's been back in years too. So, he's, <laughs> he's living
3: like, all over the all over the world, right?
2: Yeah. Well, he was uh, born and raised in London. Um, and then he had a girlfriend, got married, they moved to China and they were right near Wuhan. Um, and he couldn't get back home. Joe couldn't get back. It was right after Wrestle Kingdom. He couldn't get back home. So he, he, they went to Thailand and he's had to literally relocate, sell his house, all that stuff and start a new life. It's been an amazing. The, uh, our podcast is is the chronological uh, uh, r- record of Joel's life being turned upside down. <laughs> it wow. really is. Yeah, wow. he lived in a hotel. He lived in a hotel for six months. I'm going to say, maybe even a little bit longer, because he couldn't Ooh. go home. Yeah, he just had a kid. Now he has two. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, screw Joel. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, again thanks for joining us the great Aaron Hanare based Aaron Hanare Um, thanks for listening we'll catch you next time thank you